Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige podcast. Today, we're talking about a certainly prestigious film, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Made in 1975. It's a drama, comedy, comedy, dramedy that's uh, mm-hmm. about life in a mental institution and one potentially not insane person's way of uh, maintaining his individuality and freedom in such an environment. It's directed by Milos Forman, who is. Is, is I think now I'm going to remember this guy because I think if you go back and listen to our podcast for Amadeus, I'm probably like, oh, yeah, he also did One Flew Over to Cuckoo's Nest. And I've always been wanting to see that. He also directed Man on the Moon, the uh, Andy Kaufman biopic starring Jim Carrey. It's a screenplay by Lawrence Hobbin and Bo Goldman. This Bo Goldman guy is prolific. He wrote The Perfect Storm, which we did recently. Meet Joe Black, Scent of a Woman, just tons of great stuff. It's based on the psychedelic book One Flew Over to Cuckoo's Nest by Ken Kesey. Stars Jack Nicholson, who you've seen in such works as Jack Nicholson and Jack Nicholson. Uh, also, Louise Fletcher. Louis, did you did you recognize Nurse Ratchet, Jim? No. She's Kai fucking Wynn from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Of course she is. Which, of course she as soon is. as I well, as soon as I realized that, like, woo, oh. boy, it, it put a whole other dimension uh, stink on this character. Uh huh. Will Sampson, who I as, as as I take it was essentially discovered for this film, he'll go on to star in The White Buffalo, uh, Poltergeist Two, The Outlaw Josie Wales, William Redfield, best known as uh, Felix, playing opposite Tony Randall on The Odd Couple, Brad Dorif, Dorif. Dwarf, he's Wormtongue from the Lord of the Rings. This is his introductory mm-hmm. role. Uh, yeah. Christopher, I, I take exception to that, but okay, okay, okay. Christopher Lloyd, Doc Brown, also introducing. Yes, this this actually one hundred percent is introducing. This is his first role. Period. Uh, Danny De, Danny DeVito. I'm not sure if this is his introductory role, but it's one of his first it's one not. of his first roles. I know Certainly. he did a lot of theater yeah he was actually in the off-broadway version of this um i saw that which is where he got cast from uh yeah this is close to his first thing but he had a few movies under his belt and uh this definitely thrust him into the the limelight it's insane seeing danny devito this young i do it like broke my mind (laughs) i see him at always sunny and i'm like that's how old danny devito has always been and yeah because he kind of watched him on cheers it's like eh but this is like wow Mm -hmm. um you know he's frank reynolds on uh it's always sunny in in philadelphia it's probably where the kids recognize him from sure and then uh, vincent chiavelli chiavelli is a professional weird guy uh the thing i know him most for is the subway man and ghost but he's just played a Mm -hmm. lot he's just like the the weird goofy looking dude in a lot of things um this is the first time I've seen this movie, but this movie is so rife in pop culture. The ending of this movie was spoiled uh, some 25 years ago by an odd The Simpsons episode. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. 
Um, it's uh, so so like I I knew there was and you know there's the nurse Ra- nurse ratchet is mm-hmm. a cultural icon in terms of the banality of evil. Uh, so like I yeah. knew a lot of the beats of this film, but I found it still managed to surprise me. Uh, what did you think, Jim? Is uh, this is the first time you've seen this. What's your it, relationship? It is. It is. Um, and of course, I've heard references to Nurse Ratchet before. How could you not? Uh, but I guess I found myself thinking this would be more of a drama, and it's kind of more comedy than it is drama. Uh, which surprised me at first. I don't. It know. is. It definitely, for as funny as it is, it packs a wall up at the end. Sure, sure. And it has, uh, you know, a message. It's, it's it's definitely got, like, some thematic stuff it's doing, even in the comedic moments. Uh, it's not all comedy. But, yeah, primarily most of the runtime is spent doing things that are comedy-based, I would say. Did you like it? Does this, it is your, your, yeah, your, yeah. Your, I, okay. I, I okay. like it. I, so I have always heard of this as one of the best movies of all time. And I think mm-hmm. it's, it's up there. I could see in a top 100 list. Probably I'm, mm-hmm. it, I guess I was expecting something more from it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I actually, I went and I read uh, Roger Ebert's two reviews for this. He has one from 1975, one from 2003. Yep. Uh, he's fairly critical of the movie. And I think I came away feeling the same feelings of uh not not disappointment overall i really enjoyed this the disappointment comes in like i think there's something bigger and better in this movie if they didn't spend so much time on the comedy and spent a little bit more time getting into the characters and and who they are and how they're being helped or harmed in this movie because I, I don't think the movie addresses with the realities of the situ- addresses the realities of the situation very well i think it it kind of puts a gloss over everything that it it doesn't quite work for me. Yeah, I the way I the way I understand this film is this is Foreman's grappling with his frustrations of dealing with authoritarian regimes. Like his father mm-hmm. was murdered by fascist Germany. Uh, he was run out of his home country by communist by the Soviets. Um, and this is kind of like he uses a mental institution as a backdrop for like, you know, essentially anarchy, like the irrepressible human spirit. Yeah. The trouble uh, is it's, it's probably not setting. appropriate. And that's the thing is like you have to kind of ignore everything that we know in 2022 yeah. about mental health uh, to enjoy the comedy of this, this, this the, and or even just right. to, to buy anything of it, to see this as anything more than just a, a fucking farce. But I, I mean, I'm able yeah. to I guess I'm able to do that, put that stuff on the side like, OK, this is not this is not a film about mental illness this is not a film about even psychiatric institutions. This is essentially uh, freedom versus slavery in the form of uh, sure. ratchet. It's about the human it's, spirit. It's, it's, it's pleasure it, versus pain. It's it's mm-hmm. like these elemental things. Yeah, um, I get that. I, I just think there's a better setting for those messages um, and those themes. This is probably. Like, look, I know he had to make the film within the constraints of the novel, uh, and the novel is set in this Oregon Institute, so Mm -hmm. you can't do much there, but he maybe needed to make a different film with sort of a blank slate where he could better explore that stuff, because I think it works better in a 1975 Czechoslovakia, or 
even with a slightly different protagonist like that's that's the thing that kept bugging me is like the movie wants to portray Jack Nicholson's character McMurphy as some bastion of nonconformism that is standing up against a conformist system, a, a repressive and and um, uncaring, unfeeling system. And I, I always kept coming back to this is a violent man, inherently violent man. And these people are inherently broken in some way and they need help. They can't be out there on fishing boats because they would accidentally end up killing themselves or someone else. Yes. And, and it always came back to that for me. Like that's where I, yeah. It, and, and every time they tried to do this life affirming stuff with going out on a fishing trip, I'm like, this is dangerous. Th- these people, some of them might be helped by Jack Nicholson's ridiculous shenanigans. And maybe they yeah, do just like need a, some yeah. understanding, but the rest of these people should definitely be taken care of. Yeah. Be, be under care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, it, it kind of undercut. I, I felt that the exact same doing. thing. It's like every time he did something like this big thing where it's putting everybody in danger. I, at the start of the scene, I just like, I took a deep breath. It's like, this is not real. This is not real. Uh, Jack Nicholson <laughs> right, is unlikely right. to kill everyone on board this vessel, or there's not going to be sure. an alcohol fire break out at this party and everyone's going to die. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, or mixed with yeah. the medications they're taking in a negative, in a very adverse way, and right, end up killing them right. accidentally. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, you, you have to kind of throw all that out, but but my my do. brain won't let me throw it out because that's the reality of the situation. And I think, look, the movie is worse for not for for ignoring that stuff, but it's not bad. It's still a really really good movie, and boy, if you can get out of your head and just enjoy this thing, it's excellent. I also, you know, what I I, I skipped Scatman Crothers being starring in this. Oh right, um, yeah. Which is funny because we've seen The Shining, and I had in my notes that oh my god, this is the second time that Jack Nicholson has murdered Scatman Crothers because he just <laughs> he just ruins this man's life. Oh my god, true, true. He just shows up and uh, you got The Shining, an axe in his axe in the head, and, resume, yeah. And heck yeah, I'll get with this lady and drink some of your booze to like oh my god, it's Bedlam in here. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I was wondering because like I I kept on trying to decide whether that stuff is going to bother me because I'm like, well, it's a film from 1975, and um, it's mm-hmm. also interesting. This is done like this is this movie comes out at the tail end of deinstitutionalization, and I've always known that. That's kind of like you know, and if you don't know that there was a, you know, we just used to lock up people that had any kind of deviation from from baseline neurological typicalness, right? It's just like someone's uh, crying or screaming too much. We'll just, we just lock them up. We just lock them up and mm-hmm. pour soup down their throats until they die. And that's all right. And, you know, medicine developed and science developed and people's understanding of rights developed. And, uh, you know, there, there was a whole series of, well, we got these, you know, institutions full of people who are supposedly insane. Can any of these people like live on their own with new drug therapies and stuff? And by the seventies, pretty much all the state run mental institutions had been largely emptied and Mm -hmm. for better or worse, there's, there's been a lot of good come from that. There's also been a hell of a lot of bad come from that, but none of that matters. Like I'm saying, like I was so shocked by the end of this movie to know that like it literally, there's nothing about this movie that's actually about, mental patients and mental health treatment it's yeah, not, not really it's about it's yeah. about non-conformism and, and conformist exactly systems ultimately exactly. i think that's where it really does shine and works well there 
um it's it's so like the last the, one of the reasons we we wanted to see this or we nominated is because you know we we were really impressed with Nicholson young Nicholson when we saw him Mm-hmm. Uh, we just saw him in uh, what the Chinatown. <laughs> you say young Nicholson. He's thirty-seven shooting this okay. movie. I always forget all my how life I've old. seen him. Yeah. yeah, right, right. He is so old. He is so fucking old. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's only going to be ten years from now. He'll be in Batman. But I remember when I saw Batman, I'm like, this is an old fucking Joker. Uh huh. You know, that's what I was thinking. And he had, you know, had his hair all shoe black. Probably was wearing a wig, and I still was like, <laughs> but he he was going to find me and beat my ass. The other thing that constantly shocks me about him is not not that he's 37 in this, but he's had a 20 year film uh, career already. Already at the point yeah. of this movie, he started acting Legendary. in 1956, mm-hmm. and he's in mm-hmm. a bunch of like B movie bullshit. Sure. A uh, little shop of horrors is like the notable one, but up until then, yeah, like this movies like this. Um, you know, Pale Rider was the one where he really like started getting noticed in mainstream movies. Pale Rider, you talking about Easy Rider? Uh, sorry, yeah, Easy Rider. Okay. Easy Rider. We just never like, Pale Rider. Nicholson so was in confused. Pale Rider too. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, Easy Rider. Um, I, yeah, I always forget how how long he's been in Hollywood at this point. I I I wanted I wanted to to bring this up because in Chinatown I said that this is a new dimension of uh, uh Jack Nicholson you know mm-hmm. like you know you always see him in like full Jack mode I guess that's what I mean like most of my life no, watching Jack Nicholson he's been larger than life crazy person like it's yeah. it was always a thing is it's Jack Nicholson's in this film holy fuck it's Jack Nicholson <laughs> in this film and when you're watching him in Batman you're watching him in uh, some of these other like low rent rom-coms he's in in the late 90s it's, it's easy to be like who the fuck is Jack Nicholson why should I care mm-hmm. he is pretty much just Jack Nicholson in this there's not a new dimension except yeah there's this one point in the film right as it's resolving into the final act where the camera just stares at him for like a full fucking minute and I was kind of like trending to unimpressed with this film until I got to that moment. And I can't. St- I watched that. I, I watched that thing like three or four times because I'm trying to think like what what is he actually supposed to be thinking? Mm-hmm. What is Jack Nicholson doing when he's thinking all these things? And what am I supposed to understand about this? Count, he's like, he's wh- waiting for his paycheck is what he's doing. He's sitting there going, <laughs> when am I going to get paid? I was promised yeah. a lot of money for this film. Probably gonna wrap up early tonight. Gonna to go get some steak and lobster. And uh, <laughs> I, I do. Do you know what I mean? Like I thought that yeah, was yeah, yeah. stunning. It was a. It was stunning to for the camera to hold something for that long and for me to be so mystified by it. And like I think the whole movie revolves around that singular performance, and I'm not sure what it means yet. I'm not. I. I like. Yeah. We, we need to we'll say that for makes, spoilers. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Is is kind of puzzling. But yeah, maybe we can talk through it. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I but I like I said, I I think it's the everything you've you've heard about Louise Fletcher as Nurse Ratchet is uh, true. I was I thought it was really challenging because like you know I knew the reputation, so like the first half hour, forty minutes of this film, I'm like, you know what? I wonder if the Nurse Ratchet thing is undeserved because she seems right. nothing but like a caring professional person that's got the best for these patients and, and just inhumanly uh patient and tolerant in the of, face of Jack Nicholson's bullshit where he, yeah 
the first scene, he's like, I'm going to set a bug so far up this lady's ass that she's not mm-hmm. going to know whether to what or to what. And I'm like, oh, my God, I think people I think people are giving this is a Skyler White situation. By the end of this movie, I'm going to be <laughs> right, like, right. I can't fucking believe these people. Nope. Nope. By the end of this, I'm like cheering for Jack Nicholson to strangle this bitch. Like it's uh-huh. it's it's the, 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 yeah. The turning point for me is when uh, she says, you know, we we need to we we can't like shirk him off on somebody else we have to we have a responsibility to help him or whatever and i'm like oh i see i see right like she's not like this, this guy this, this, this guy's this is... yeah this guy has no business here he's fucking with the program he's disrupting the people no she wants to break him yeah. and exert her exert her authority and it gets pretty like i you know like it, it, it's 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 just a, such a slow boiling because totally. Again, I came in this movie expecting to hate her, and I was like a third of the way through thinking, like, I don't know, maybe it's just people mm-hmm. being 1975 sexist and not knowing about mental health. And, and nope, nope, she's just the worst. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's it's one of those things where it's like you feel like the movie is gaslighting you in real time because there's so many times like, man, am I am I against her in this? It's like she making a reasonable point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it's like, yeah, eventually it's it's a really good performance. Uh, I was super impressed with the uh, Will Sampson, this just giant man. And I'm like, well, they just hired him because he's a giant man. But he has to kind of carry probably the second heaviest scene in the whole movie. The the, the and the heaviest object in the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He does that, too. Uh-huh. Uh, dominates the lanes. If you want to say something about the chief, he dominates the lanes. Uh, sure. He goes just, mid. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's a big guy, but he goes mid. Yeah. Um, I thought he was really because the way I heard that the the guy that plays um, the doc master, like a lot of these people were just kind of like semi amateur people that they're pulling into casting as they're trying to do this on a, a shoestring to make up for the the Jack Nicholson budget. Mm-hmm. And this guy called him in because he's a used car salesman on the side. And he's like, I just saw the biggest son because he's like, we're looking for someone big to play this. I just saw the biggest son of a bitch in my life walk into my dealership. They got this guy and boom. He mm-hmm. is in the one of the biggest movies of the year. Also, this movie got like the grand sweep of the Oscars. It won every significant yeah. Oscar. Best actor, best actress, director, picture, uh, screenplay, screenplay. Um, yeah, only the second was, movie to ever do it. Only the third movie in history to ever do it, uh, including Silence of the Lambs after it. Um, and I, I forget in... What's the name of the one that did it before? Uh, it happened one night in 1938. So it been almost 40 years since a movie had done that. Yeah. We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We try to make it super easy to support making podcasts at Bald Move. Just join the club. 
But some people aren't a joining type, or maybe they're already in the club but want to add a little bit of gratuity for an especially great season of coverage, or for a podcast that really spoke to them, or gave them that bit of support in a tough time. For these, and for whatever other reason you might have, our tip jar is always open. Head over to support.ballmove.com and click the donate option to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. Once again, check out support.baldmove.com for all the great ways to help me and Jim keep making the podcast you love. And now, back with more Bald Move. Yeah, uh, I, I, do I recommend people to watch this that hasn't seen it? I guess if you consider yourself a serious film fan, you probably should if you haven't already. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think it's, it is... It, the 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 way it treats its subject material and also just like Jack Nicholson's character here, um, McMurphy is one of the most unlikable persons. Um, he's very charming and but but the way they establish him, he's just like a a, yeah. a giant creep. And like I said, I was uh-huh. kind of rooting against him in favor of Nurse Ratchet, the 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 villain, the outright villain of the thing for probably half this movie's running time. Cause he's just such a mm-hmm. terrible, terrible guy. It's, uh, uh, it's, he's, he's a, he's a tough protagonist to really care about, but maybe that's yes. the point. Maybe you're supposed to, I don't know. I don't know. It felt like, um, a necessity of the setting. Like when you, when you're trying to tell, uh, a quintessentially like communist tale, I don't know, because the original book is not that right. Like I'm kind of framing this all through the director's uh, Mm -hmm. POV, but because that's how he framed it. But I mean, this is coming from a book. It's not like he made up all of this stuff. So I don't know. The thing that really disturbed me is that they're trying to paint this man as just a nonconformist, but he's manifestly violent. Um, And they, they would have been better served with a still civilly disruptive protagonist but someone who wasn't violent and or i would have been way more on board the framing of him being like faking that he's insane or, or the, like I, I think that the there's one thing that sky said um when they're evaluating his case where it's like um i don't know if he's got true psychosis but he's sick i think that's right anyone that's yeah. like gotten to this life with like what six seven assaults on your record and mm-hmm. you've just committed statutory rape with the 15-year-old, uh, you are... That's not nonconformist behavior. Yeah. That's destructive behavior that no no free society could really tolerate. Exactly. You can't yeah. just... You just can't... Yeah. You just, you just they they needed to make people. him someone who was more uh, wrongfully imprisoned, I guess, and I would have been more sympathetic... Um, like like if it was truly just like a Czechoslovakian society in 1975 and this person just is a nonconformist, just won't live by the rules that the state has set. And so they're imprisoned for that. I would have been way more sympathetic. Yeah, I the the the, the thing that haunts me uh-huh. is I think in 1975, you're supposed to think eh, this is not so bad. Sure, yeah, he five, got a couple fights. Five and, uh, fights. Yeah, fifteen-year-old girl. Yeah, she probably looked thirty-five. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I really think that that's that's sure. a horrifying thing. Is this is supposed to be seen as a guy who is a slick operator, and maybe it's kind of like a Jeff Winger type on Community. 
And I wonder okay. 30 years if we're going to look at Jeff Winger and be like, holy shit, this fucking guy Maybe. was a child predator. You know, yo, we all said we're not sexualizing Annie, but we saw that fucking Christmas. <laughs> up. I, I, I wonder if uh, but but like, yeah, I, I, I think that you're supposed to understand that this guy is that. It's just that we've gone 40 years and this stuff is a lot more unsettling. You're probably right. I, I, in 2022, I could have done with a scene at the beginning that showed me that his fight, that at least one of his fights was not his fault, right? Like he might have mm-hmm. said some things, he might have mouthed off. He's a free spirit, yeah. right? Someone took it the yeah, wrong yeah, way, yeah. threw a swing at him, and then the fight started. I I would be a lot more sympathetic that way. But yeah, there, I think there's a way, a lot of things they could do to set this up. But that's the thing is like they just kind of launch you in. You you kind of have to intuit the main point of the plot, which is that he is essentially shirking work prison. Yeah, because he doesn't want to work hard, and he decides he'd rather. Good for him. Like, fuck work prison. Are you kidding me? Sure. Sure. I don't. Slavery? Yeah, I don't condone <laughs> slavery of any type. Yeah, I, I don't think he made the right bargain, it turns out. I think he fundamentally, sure, mis- sure. Min- fundamentally oh, yeah. misunderstood. Oh, man. And there's, there's that's another scene. great scene mm-hmm. where, well, I don't, man, we shouldn't spoil yeah. things. Because um, I imagine there's a lot of people haven't seen this film. And again, there's some things you got to overlook, but uh, it is one of the quintessential jack nicholson roles it is worth it to mm-hmm. see louise fletcher really make nurse ratchet play uh <laughs> i wonder if it's possible to maintain sympathy for her unless you are just a Oof. raging fucking narcissist yourself i don't know i don't know she's pretty bad toward the end yeah uh but jack nicholson uh, is excellent in this movie i mean yes it is quintessential this is de- a defining role um yeah you can see his joker performance like there's a totally. little bit of everything i've ever seen him in in this thing like he even mm-hmm. does the ha 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 ho ho i mean he just does like like crazy laughs and stuff uh that was a terrible nicholson <laughs> what was i thinking what was i thinking i reached deep and that came out fuck uh-huh. it's almost christmas uh yeah, yeah. jack nicholson's you know, the typical ho ho ho. That's how he laughs. <laughs> yeah, he's saying it's. Just, I, I'm wearing a Santa Claus shirt. What am I? What am I doing? Um, okay, uh, should I do the thing where I tell people what this movie is about? Um, yeah, please, and then we can talk about spoilers. Okay, this movie is about Jack Nicholson, and as I just explained, he is at a work prison and he decides he doesn't want to work hard no more, and he requests transfer by acting. I guess what he thinks is stereotypically crazy. Again, mm-hmm. this is all background. And he comes to the facility to be evaluated and uh, he's put into the general population. And this is about him forming relationships with the other patients of this facility, Mm -hmm. Uh, him being evaluated for his sanity and his battle of wills and wit with Nurse Ratchet, who is the kind of head nurse. And she leads all the group therapy sessions and somehow is in charge of the patients, just like she's running the place. Uh and uh, will the human spirit survive such a place? Will it crack? Mm-hmm. And if it does crack, will anything grow in that void? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm one, halfway one, to write my thesis on it. Uh, that's more, what this movie is about. Like quick, interesting uh, production note uh, before we get into the discussion of the actual scenes. This I, I saw this in the credits up front. Uh, and it said produced by Michael Douglas. I'm like, wait, yes, not, not that Michael Douglas, right? Surely some producer just happens to have that name. No, it's actually that Michael Douglas. Um, his father, Kirk Douglas, bought the rights to this thing, which is interesting. Actors buy it, and I guess he's probably a producer. Uh, bought the rights to it, couldn't get it made for like a decade, and then sold, which I think is hilarious, sold the rights to his son, 
Michael Douglas, uh, who got the thing done. You don't know why Kirk Douglas optioned it? Was that? You don't know why Kirk Douglas uh, bought the rights to this? No, I don't. Because he starred on the Broadway production of this play. Oh, did he? Okay. Along yeah, with Danny with DeVito? Dan- wow. Well, Danny DeVito was on the, the off-Broadway, off so Broadway. apparently he okay. wasn't the right, but he was uh, he was a Jack Nicholson role. He was the McMurphy, and huh, he wanted okay. to be the McMurphy because he'd probably make yeah. a hell of a lot of money, uh, but he was too old. There too old. They had to call him the spry 37-year-old <laughs> Jack Nicholson. <laughs> I mean, Kirk Douglas. Talk about Jack Nicholson being old. Kirk Douglas was fucking old. Uh yeah that kind of surprised me too like all the people who are in the running so kirk douglas wanted to do it he couldn't he was too old uh gene hackman james Kahn, marlon brando and burt reynolds were also considered as mcmurphy burt reynolds would have been a really interesting option maybe the only the only one in that list i could see pulling it off effectively to me is gene hackman i think hackman's got a gear Gene Hackman would be really interesting too. Yeah. When you see him as like Lex Luthor in the Superman movie, um, I can start to see where he could get a maniacal streak. I've seen him in things where he, he kind of gets there. That would have been interesting, but I, I man, James Khan in this role, he would have brought like been... a gravity and a, a pathos yeah. to it that I don't think the movie would is going for. Uh, same should've. with Marlon Brando. I don't see yeah. him oh, yeah. pulling this off at all. Hmm. I wonder why Michael Douglas didn't put his own hat in the ring. Because yeah. I think Michael Douglas could do, does a lot of this kind of manic stuff pretty well too. But also kind of like cocksure and Devil May Care and all the all the things that Nicholson does. Uh, He's good at being I don't, gaslit. I, I don't think, it, it, it's, hard, it's, it's, hard, it's hard not to see Nicholson in this role. Uh, but I think Douglas could have done it. And I'm kind of surprised his, his old man didn't be like, you know what, Mike, Mikey? I'm too old now, but you got to get out there and you got to put on the beanie. got to put mm-hmm. on the beanie and you got to try to lift that hydro station. Uh, sure. I have another interesting production note. Oh, okay. This movie is set in the Oregon State Mental uh, Hospital. And mm-hmm. it was produced with the enthusiastic, apparently, cooperation of said facility. Uh, they let them film there. Uh, they let them shadow the their patients. Uh, some they were later found out were criminally insane that Jack Nicholson was just hanging out unsupervised. Uh, mm-hmm. The director of the facility plays the director of the facility in the movie. Yeah, that's I found stunning. I found st- that would never happen today. Like, this is not a flattering portrayal of the Oregon State Mental uh, uh, Institution, uh, its personnel, uh, any anything, anything. This this mm-hmm. this seems like a terribly ran place. Why the fuck were they allowed <laughs> this much access to make this film? Maybe, maybe they read the script differently, you know? They, 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 they saw themselves they, as the heroes of the story. Finally, the film that shows what we have to put up with. Uh-huh. No way are they going to watch Jack Nicholson and not be sympathetic <laughs> to our nurses and our doctors here. There's no fucking way. I think that might have been it, man. It might have been. It's just it a difference in perspective, yeah. They're like, are you sure you want to see this? Like, look at Jack Nicholson. Look at what he's doing. Look at this shit he's pulling off. He's he's running he's running hookers and booze in and out of this place. It's right, gonna... he trashed the facility. Like, of course we're going to crack down on him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, maybe the facility shouldn't have been crashed in the first place. Maybe, maybe, maybe supervision. They didn't... 
they didn't give him the last few pages of the script. Maybe they were like, yeah, we'll just, we'll end it. Uh, yeah, Jack, Jack gets away, you know, McMurphy, McMurphy escapes. It's not just, and I'm not, I'm not going to talk about mental health uh, again in the whole fucking picture. Uh, or the rest of the podcast, but also they, 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 again, with the blessing of the Oregon State Mental Health Institution, uh, I think I've called it 17 different things by now. Mm-hmm. They show a, a scene of electroconvulsive shock therapy, and mm-hmm. it just reads as medieval torture. Yes. Yeah. It reads it's as like therapy, the fucking worst, yeah. uh, which I don't think is true. I think that's still an actually effective therapy for certain people. I think they administer it under you gotta anesthesia be now. kidding me. No, I really do. I think it's it for certain types be. of like bipolar. Let me see. Hold on. Let's let's do let's let's it's not let's targeted enough. It's not targeted enough. How- well, I I again, I don't think they do it exactly like that. Electroshock. <laughs> OK. All right. So they could they connect therapy. probes to neurons and fire what <laughs> the nine volts. It, they hook you up to a nine volt battery. And say, I mean, they still Done. do it. That's wild to me. I thought this would have been antiquated by now so i'm doing some high speed reading on wikipedia and as far as i can tell this is still a accepted therapy for major depressive uh disorder and catatonia mania schizophrenia like severe cases um and can offer like pretty lasting relief uh and and uh, of, of some of these symptoms and I guess like the, the thing is, is like, I don't think they like strap you down and put a piece of leather between your thing and like just like shock. Um, I think they okay. they I think they do. Yes. Now it's administered under anesthesia with muscle relaxants. They don't just let you flop on the table. For OK, that's why they fine. Hold you down. How do they target specific they portions of the brain? With they, electric- they, they literally just, just your overwhelm your brain with uh, a, a, do- a dose of 120 volts of electricity. Just and it re- reboots reboot you. you. It Fuck. reboots you. Yes. No, no, that does not seem right. <laughs> that really does not seem right. That seems like. Well, fuck, we tried everything else. I don't know. Right we'll here, with electricity. ECT is used with informed consent as a safe and effective intervention for major depressive disorder, mania, and catatonia. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Scientologists are right, and Wikipedia has been taken over by the psychiatrist, but... Uh, Man, I've seen uh, the Green Mile. It's not safe and effective. <laughs> I don't think that's electric. <laughs> I don't think that's convulsive therapy. That's uh, cadaver therapy, but... Uh, I mean, it's it's a, it, we're talking a matter of degrees here. It's the same uh, thing. So again, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk about the real life mental health, and, uh, health uh, effects. I, I don't think so. The rest of the podcast, um, man, a couple of bugaboos about 19 because I haven't watched a lot of 1970s films. Like when I we're going mm-hmm. back and watch, I'd like, did we just watch Serpico or is that something I watched on my own? No, uh, we have. Um, you know, Carlito's Way, all these these like kind of grimy uh, 70s films, like. Chinatown, yeah. but that was set. That was not a. That was a period piece. Um, oh, gotcha, gotcha. There's just a couple things that stand out. Number one, uh, so many people have coke nails in this movie. It's huh. insane. Jack Nicholson's got one. Half the inmates, uh, a third of the doctors. And the other when thing is like coke nails. You're talking about a lo- the elongated long pinky. pinky. Yep. I'm pretty sure Jack Nicholson has them on every finger in 1975. He's got unkempt hands. I don't well, know I just why. mean he needs he needs that many. Oh, oh, okay, oh, okay. Because I'm like I did, I noticed that like, a lot of these guys did just like ragged claws for hands, but like yeah, they they got these yeah, coke yeah. nails. The second thing is like did did no one know that it was it in 1980 that people fucking first realized what blood looks like? 
because uh, yeah. every movie up through like this era you see someone dying on the ground it's just fucking heinz ketchup no not even that heinz ketchup would be a better stand-in for blood it's this bright red primary color stop red stop sign red shit all over the floor like yeah. i wonder what if it the has fuck? to do with color processing of the film um they, and maybe they, they, they just... fucked it up they didn't have enough they need to process that color till it looked like blood yeah i I wonder, there's got to be some film historian who's gone over like the evolution of the look of blood on film, because there was probably a time where they didn't put much blood on film. Right. So I imagine I, the I 70s wondered. are just like exploring, OK, how do we make blood look realistic? And I wondered on if film? it was one of those things where it's like they were going the other way, where it's like uh, we want to not shock the review board and get an X rating. So we got this guy who slid his slid his throat in a huge pool of blood. Let's make it like bright Technicolor red so Could that be, everyone yeah. knows it's not real, because otherwise people might stampede out of the theater and think Brad the Ruff just offed himself uh it's just funny to me it's always funny yeah uh and it's like always takes me right out of the scene what was the other Mm -hmm. one was it uh god what was that i think was it was it a hitchcock film that we watched where like the the final act is is like this blood on a bathroom floor and it's just oh man uh anyway uh jim we alluded to the ending and jack nicholson's look Mm mm-hmm kind of Mona Lisa of Hollywood performances. What the hell do you think? He's he's right there by the open window at any time in the course of the night. And and up until the moment he was discovered, he could have just stepped through that threshold and he's gone. He decides yeah. to stay there. Mm-hmm. Why? He decides to stay there until he decides to leave again and then it's too late. I I want to say he's doing it for the people that he would be leaving behind, um, and specifically Billy. Uh, I think, I don't know. I, I look at Billy and I say, does he really need to be in a mental institution? Pro- nothing Nothing in this film tells me that he does. So Jack Nicholson, like, staying behind to give him a moment, right? Um did you it think Jack Nicholson was sense. making a, a sincere attempt to escape with the keys? I thought that was a show. But what does he think? Oh, you think he's so? going to be able. You think he's going to be able to go to the window, unlock himself, get out with all the guards standing there? I, it, he could have made it if Chief would have stepped in and like clotheslined Washington. Like that, that's like, the thing. Right. Like he, yeah. he could have. And then you know if he if if Billy hadn't killed himself and kind of drew the attention away, I. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. Because he definitely makes a conscious choice, I think. He doesn't just like, he's waiting for Billy and he gets too drunk and passes out. I don't think that's what happened. I think he decided, I'm not leaving Billy. I'm not leaving this this group of people. Really melancholy. So I I wrote some notes about what Nicholson's going through here. And he like says to the chief, you know, he's got got Billy in there fucking the, the lady. And he's talking to the chief like, man, when we get to Canada, like, I just can't wait. Mm -hmm. And then he has this like really thoughtful look that turns into melancholy. And then he kind of has this smile and then then fades back to like anger. And then kind of like this mirthless laugh that he turns back to the window and something changes in him. And I, I think he's processing what it means to leave these people behind in a system to escape himself, but not help these other people he's grown attached to 
and and he decides he can't he can't sacrifice them for himself for his own I, freedom i wonder if this connects back to the the talk he and the chief had at night where chief was talking about his dad and he's like, you know, he's this big man that, you know, was this uh, mm-hmm. powerful force that couldn't be gainsaid. And he did as he pleased. And they worked on him. And then dad turned to the bottle. And then the bottle, he sucked from the bottle and the bottle sucked from him. And he says, they're working on you the way they worked on him. And I wonder if Jack Nicholson is realizing like he's like yeah when i get to california he's actually thinking or not california canada he's actually thinking like what am i going to do in canada and he realizes that he doesn't have anything really to look forward to and he feels like he's trapped in this cycle and that yeah this this has worked on him and he's got this like moment of doubt about maybe i shouldn't be free i i don't know yeah so it's like the thing is it's worked on the other people so so i i keep coming back to the rolling stone gathers no moss stuff um that to me is who jack nicholson is in this movie what's the significance of that whole scene well he's he's got i mean he has no attachments right he's lived his whole life just rolling from one place to the next never having accumulated a life for himself he's just a rolling stone um and people and places and everything just rolls right off of him uh and i think this is the moment that he decides to change that he's he's met a group of people that he wants to attach himself to or or at the very least wants to see some justice for um and yeah he's he's presented an opportunity to continue rolling and have this moss just slough off of him. Uh, then the moss, in this case, those people. And he he chooses not to let that be the case anymore. Chooses to be an inspiration to them, to maybe give them some hope instead of just rolling to the next place and going on with the, the stuff that he's been doing. If that was his goal, he fucked it up because I feel like... Uh... Well, in, some, in, in a lot of ways, yeah. In one way, no. I mean, Chief... Chief gets out, and that's that's the saving grace, right? Is like Chief would have gotten out. Chief, does he? Because I think Chief was gonna would roll would have rolled that night out at the party, or do you, do you not think so? He uh, he probably would have, but but he's uh, he would have followed, I mean, he, not led. Like he he's he's a leader, I mean, I right? A he's difference. like he he's a man who can inspire people uh, yes. in this movie, and I think that's what the movie's trying to say is they need these nonconformist spirits, not just to do their own thing and shirk the system, but inspire others to do the same. And I think that's the choice he makes there in that moment is I'm going to stick around. I'm going to inspire these people to fight against this unjust system or, or at the very least this banal system. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, I'm going to sacrifice some of my own autonomy, some of my own life to do that. You know, when you're talking about the metaphor of the Rolling Stone, I couldn't help thinking that the other thing about the Rolling Stone is that it's not under its own control. It's it's lo- its locus of control is external. Like it's rolling sure, sure. and it will roll a predetermined amount of distance until it hits resistance. And if it falls down, it's not going to be able to get back up. And yeah. like, had he just run out of momentum? Like, did he like, you know, like, did, did he just like feel like he didn't have it in him to buck the system one more time? But then he, I think it's all Maybe. confused by him trying to escape. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and being thwarted, but maybe that was to try to inspire people. Yeah, I don't know. Because like when he tries to escape again, it could just be a moment of weakness um, after having made a decision, a, a big decision that he knows is going to affect him negatively. It yeah. could just be like, oh shit, I've, I, I, I had a moment of nobility that is going to cost me dearly. I don't want that to be the case anymore. Let me try and escape one last time. And then it just doesn't mm. work. I don't know. I don't know, but that's how I was reading it. The Rolling Stone stuff or, really stuck with me. Here's an interesting metaphor. Mm. I noticed when Chief went to smother him, that Jack Nicholson resisted, at least his body did. Yeah, what's left of him did. Is that like a metaphor of like his, like him ineffectually trying to free himself from the lock in plain view of the guards and getting thwarted? Is that his, is, was that kind of like a token, the same way his body is offering a token resistance hmm. against being killed? Was yeah. that his token attempt to escape after he decided to stay anyway? It's like, like he like almost didn't have control over him. it. It's like his body took over. Okay. And like, I can't, but you know. Maybe, maybe. I just don't know how deep this movie is. I've only seen it the one time. That's and, the thing, and and so much of the the and it's rest very of the metaphoric film too, because like this again, it. none of yeah. none of this is about that. It's about uh-huh. I think this guy feeling like he escaped these authoritarian repressive regimes after seeing so many people, um, uh, friends, uh, well, family killed, friends uh, imprisoned, and the colleagues kind of like stifled and their careers destroyed. Uh, like he, I, 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 and imagine like the survivor's guilt in that, you know, there's, it's, mm-hmm. it's uplifting chief going and running into the mountains. Um, but it's also extremely sad. Like he balls and cradles, mm-hmm. uh, Nicholson's body. And yeah, he has to put him out of his misery. Cause he's, he's yeah all the way down. That's a, that's a bad place to be, man. Yeah, I, like I said, I wish I had that Simpsons episode had spoiled me because I think oh, yeah. when did when did you think that when did you realize that Chief was going to put him out of when he said take you with me? Because I think maybe some people as watching soon as it for the first the time pillow, with, which was after that. So like the okay. very last moment and when it was happening is when I realized. Got you. It. Okay, because I want because I was wondering like because I don't think I would have saw this coming. I think I would have no. interpreted him as like this is a big man. He's a strong man. Uh-huh. He's going to put him on his shoulders and like take him out of there. So like. <laughs> yeah, I was I was regretting that I had didn't have that kind of gut punch because I I still thought oh, the I did, end scene sure. was pretty pretty moving and incredible. Um, again, it's just I wish I hadn't seen it spoiled on The Simpsons. Um, the, the scene that really stuck with me, I think, the yeah. most, even maybe even more than that final scene, um, is the scene where Jack Nicholson realizes that he is in a situation he can't get at. He can't just wait himself out of. Um, he's got like 68 days left on his prison sentence, but he's not in prison anymore. He's in right. a mental institute and they he deem himself. when he, yeah, when he is able to leave and that was he's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. That was a terrifying realization for him. And I thought, Oh yeah, no, that's, that's terrifying. Um, these people have so much power over you. Right. And then the other flip side of that is on the next group therapy where he finds out that he's practically the only one that that is true of. All these other people could just get their shit together and walk out in his estimation. And there's like something kind of very Kafka-esque about that. And I wonder if he's this is about like the mental prisons people put themselves into, you know? Yeah. So I I want to talk a little bit more about that in a second. Um but yeah, like the the, the realization, it, this all took me back to the very beginning of the movie where 
Jack Nicholson is brought into this mental institute in shackles. He's uncuffed and he just starts laughing and, and soaking up the freedom, right? The freedom he's found. He's no longer on a work gang. He's no longer in prison. He's now in this, by all rights, cushy environment comparatively. Yeah. Free uh, to go he where he wants. And... He's found freedom, right? He thinks, yeah. oh, I just wait my time out and I'm done. And then when you find out that's not the case later in the movie, it's devastating. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I really felt for him in that moment. He, you're right. He did outsmart himself. There's so many good symmetries in this film too. Like when Nicholson comes back from electric, uh, convulsive therapy for the first time and he's doing the typical like zombie walk drooling and everyone's looking at him like cowed and like, Oh my God, they did this guy. And then he like winks at the, at the chief. I know that's such an interesting moment because like they set you up when like when so the chief sees him coming in at night. I think you're supposed to understand yep. that like maybe he's faking again and you're waiting for Nicholson to the the wink and nah Nicholson's gone. And then and you, you see, see the scar and it's like Yeah. Oh, he's never gonna get better. This is yeah. like he's at maximal maximum medical improvement now. Uh yeah, and that it's was... really well constructed how that you know, you know they, they the the movie has you a lot of times zigging one way and then it zags violently in those that that third act um which is I, I think extremely effective yeah and coming back to what you were talking about with like him being one of the few that isn't voluntarily there i i don't know what that means um being voluntarily committed to an institute like this where you could conceivably just say all right i'm done i'm leaving but what does that mean like when you're being medicated? What does that mean when you're being being given electroshock therapy? When they're dragging you into the room, you're kicking and screaming saying, "No, I don't want this." What does voluntary mean in that situation? That's not voluntary. Yeah, and he was one of the voluntary ones too. Wasn't Cheswick he? was, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cuz I was like, "Well, maybe they they but no, they 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 yeah, they convulsed the the hmm. Yeah, that's not voluntary. That doesn't that's... seem very voluntary. Again, yeah. like I, said, I, I don't know. I I think this is a less than accurate depiction of even mental health in 1975. It seems like probably because um, I know you can maybe commit the... yourself to like a rehab uh, clinic or or things like that, but even then, you always have the ability to simply walk away from it. Well, maybe Here, it that's... doesn't seem to be the case. Well, maybe that's also his commentary on like, because I know that's something they always said about a lot of the uh, Eastern Bloc countries is they had like just like so many more freedoms and rights than uh, citizens in Western countries did. And they were all like paper, but they're all on paper, right? If you try to exercise those rights, sure. it'd be like, what what, what are you doing, comrade? Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if it's one of those commentaries of like even the people that say, hey, we're. 100% we support all this the very first time you balk at the system the system you didn't find out that it's not voluntary yeah because like I said just Could like I right. said this is all just metaphors about escaping eastern Bloc style communism and and German uh, Italian style fascism that's mm-hmm. 100% what the movie's about yep we'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause and now back with more bald move can we talk about danny devito yeah please like i i will say this that like um I, again i don't think this is a realist a realistic depiction of mental health treatment but i thought there were some pretty effective depictions of mentally ill people 
these guys spent a lot of time with authentically disturbed individuals and it shows like if you spent time in group homes or in, you know, I've had a couple friends who have spent some time at the grippy sock palace. Uh, and they're, they're like, I, I recognize some of these people and Danny DeVito was one of the, in fact, it was like five minutes of watching him before I realized, holy fuck, that's Danny DeVito. <laughs> I saw his name in the credits and I was like watching for him. So when I saw him the first time, I didn't immediately recognize him because he's so young. He is. The, yeah. The second time I saw him, I was that like, card oh, game when he's just man- maniacal. And he's like, he's like, sees that porno card. And he's like, ah, and I, <laughs> yeah. I, it was the scene after that. I think the first group therapy scene where I'm like, holy shit, that's Dana DeVito. But he is kind of incredible. Yeah. I was going to ask you who, who is the more likely mental patient, Danny DeVito or Christopher Lloyd? Because <laughs> they're both <laughs> they're like both. They both play professionally crazy men. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Danny DeVito, by all rights, is like a real eccentric, down the middle, go getter kind of dude. Yeah, he's a comedian, yeah. but he's like very serious in his life and career. Um yeah. Christopher Lloyd, I think, would probably be the more likely mental patient. Uh he's really good too. Uh, he is, yeah. Uh, not like that's the other thing is like these guys. I always think of them as like literal clowns, you know, like even without makeup on, they just show up and they're just goofy dudes. But like this mm-hmm. scene here, they're not inherently goofy. And no, uh, it, it makes me wonder what his deal is. Uh, was he one of the voluntary ones or no? Which one? Which one are we talking about? Dana, Dana Vito was not. Uh, Christopher yeah. Lloyd, uh, I think he was one of the voluntary. Just seems he he doesn't seem like he has, let's say, mental issues that would cause him to be not self sufficient. I, I think yeah. he seemed like maybe the person who could perhaps function in society the best, right. except for uh, Harding. I think Harding probably could too, but they go at each other. That's the odd couple, couple guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's the one. That, yeah, that guy seemed like I don't understand why he was there. He just seemed depressed and angry because he perceived his wife as a cheater, I guess. I don't know if yeah, he actually but it's like, did. Yeah, and I got maybe he's a paranoid delusional, but like I it felt Could to be. me like, yeah, he's a guy who life is ill used and he's he feels a certain way about it. But like I don't like I said, I, I I wish we had mental health facilities where people could just be like, you know what, I I I, I feel depressed and I can't do sure. anything. Uh, can you take me in for a little while and get me better? Like we do with people who yeah. are physically sick. That would be kind of dope. But uh, what did you think about is Brad Dorif hot in this film? Like I would never have thought in a million hot. years that Grima Wormtongue or whatever <laughs> prospector Sam from from uh, uh, Deadwood would be hot. But he's fuckable. He's kind of really I hot. Mean, manifestly, got, right? He gets up yeah uh, but i mean he's like he's got terrible skin and like their makeup's not doing me favors because he's a mental yeah. patient but like I, i'm like man i'd had no idea how fucking cute brad dwarf was when he was uh when he's a kid suppose good so. for you brad good for you and, and yeah yet, you had a hell of a spring sir and yet the woman of his dreams when asked out of the blue doesn't want to marry him what's wrong with her mm. Mm. well you know <laughs> he had never spoken to her why doesn't she want to marry him? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God, there's so many great like individual moments of this film. Like I really liked the scene of uh 
all the guys lining up to take their medicine and it was like filmed as it's like a sacrament, you know, like they received their wafer on their tongue and then here's your cup of, here's your cup of juice, your cup of wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how that comes around later in the movie when Jack Nicholson does it, but with booze and boy, Danny DeVito is eager. He is running up to that window. Yeah. Give me some of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Again, it's 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 a great film. It's a really good screenplay. I I'm kind of with you. If I, it would be interesting to remake this film, that to say, there's no way anyone would do it. But it'd be interesting to remake this film and do it kind of like play it straight. You know, like get to know, um, uh, make uh, like you said, a more catch twenty two situation where it's more unambiguous yeah. that Nicholson is there, the Nicholson character is there because he's pretending and he's not actually disturbed. Or dangerous, um, as they call him, because I think he is yeah. a little bit dangerous. Yeah, he is dangerous. I like I said. I mean, if you're, you know, I I think it is a type of mental illness to be so out of control of your limbic system that you get into like six, seven, eight, nine, ten serious fights where you you get charged and arrested for assault by the time right. you're thirty. Yeah, you you probably got something unregulated going on, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, yeah, it just seemed like it, that was his big. Is like he had no impulse control. Like yeah. if he thought of something, like I'm gonna climb this guy like a tree and play one man chicken versus the chief. I'm going to spit this and, medicine and it, in this guy's face, even though Nurse Ratchet <laughs> could see me and ECT uh-huh. me. Like it's yeah, he he's got no control. And it borders on undercutting the entire theme of the film too. I was about to say when that he doesn't have impulse control. You can't say he's doing this for reason for an actual reason. He's doing it because he has no choice. Right. Yeah. If, if he were standing up against a system on his of his own free will, that would be one thing. But if he's just compelled by his biology to yeah. do it, I, I don't know. Maybe he's a stand in for humanity and we're all compelled by our biology to be free. But it, maybe that's what they're trying to say. But it didn't seem like it in the, the film. No, it's almost like if I was a Marxist critic, I'd be like, uh, Jack Nicholson represents the bourgeoisie swine as they throw their bottle from the pram <laughs> at the inability to do whatever the fuck they want, whenever they want, at the detriment to us all. Like, uh-huh. it's, you know, that that's readings kind of there because he's just too on the line of are you irrepressible? Do you need to be repressed? I feel like right, we should repress right. you a bit. Yeah. And it ultimately comes down to my my entire problem as much as i have a problem with this movie because i think it is entertaining and and a very good movie my entire problem being i think these people need to be in some kind of care uh, because clearly some of them are incapable of taking care of themselves yeah i think that the it's the parables lost when the issues that are there that you see are kind of like, you know, like the plain surface reading is glaring. And I, I guess it'd be sweet if you reworked that to where it suits both ends. It could be both a parable mm-hmm. about, you know, authoritarianism, that and also like, hey, this is how things are happening and this is maybe the way things should be. Um, but there's just so many incredible scenes like that. Uh, the, the, the other one that I really want to talk about is Nurse Ratchet at her lowest where she's got uh, Brad DeRuff's, uh, DeRuff's Billy and is just emotionally abusing the shit out of him, throwing his guilt trip on him, makes him kill yeah. himself. I, I want to get there in one second. I want to keep with the themes we were talking about gotcha. very quickly because I think the one place that they do really serve their theme is the pettiness of Nurse Ratchet. Uh, the World Series thing. The World Series yeah. is simply her exercising her control over this environment and these people it it makes her it makes the point that this is 
conformism for conformism's sake, not something to help these people. And that's and ex- that's where I think the movie is best. Yeah, that's there's like two axes in this film turns on. That one is because that's where I turned against Nurt's Ratchet. Yep. Up to that, yep. I'm like, well, you know what? These guys are disturbed and they they do. There are probably a lot of guys that have autism that are, are probably not going to deal well with a curveball in their schedule just because the World Series is mm-hmm. here. And if like only three guys really care enough about it, maybe they're scared of Nurse Ratchet, but maybe they just really are like she's speaking truth and all that stuff. And I'm and then when it became clear that it's like, oh, I got nine hands now. Oh, well, we want all these catatonic people need to vote, too. And then I finally got one of the catatonic yeah. ones to vote. And it's like, oh, well, that the meeting's already been adjourned. That it's right. like, fuck you, lady. Like, and, what? and Ebert said something in his review that that really struck me. Um, I think his original review, maybe the 75 one, mm-hmm. uh, where, like you said, these people are catatonic. These These people don't know or care what's going on around them for the most part right you cannot you cannot break through to them saying that oh it'll disrupt their schedule not to play fucking Bach or whatever she was playing uh, Mm -hmm. and to put up the World Series on is asinine and manifestly untrue Uh, and yet she's still insisting that you get some of them to vote on it yeah I think if I rewatch this movie I would be on the jump just like seeing everything that she's because everything oh, starts yeah. pretty reasonable oh, yeah. like jack nicholson going into her nurse's station while she's trying to get him inducted and like you can't uh-huh. put up with that you gotta you know and she's putting right. a firm limit in place but yeah it, that's the scene where it goes off the rails and it was so it's so interesting to see me as a because like, i i knew what i was supposed to feel about this woman and i just i wasn't you know i was resisting it i'm like yeah it, and that one right there and Man, again, between Nurse Ratchet and Kai Wynn, this is if she played the president on Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> she might be your most hated character. My most hated character. Yeah, she, she might have the whole fucking hat trick there. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about that scene you brought up. Um, the one with with Brad, where she she says, I'm going to tell your mommy what you did. What's incredible God. is Brad's his stutter and how like. He went just from like being on top of the world to being at the bottom mm-hmm. and she put him there and the look on the other men's faces like it's a truly disgusting thing that they're seeing and they feel bad for Brad and they feel like lesser people because they're not they they can't do anything to stop it like not even Jack Nichols can get it yeah it, it, it felt like a torture scene because that's uh-huh. what it was it felt like yeah. something out of uh saw only emotionally and psychologically and not physically. Yeah, they're 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 standing there watching somebody be emotionally abused. Methodically. And feel powerless to do anything about it. And yeah, no, it's uh it's a rough scene. And just like I, yeah, all the power sh- imbalance it, it there works. is insane. The editing where they got all those shots of those dudes faces and like they go through all these different emotions and it's like just like pivots back and forth between each different one and Brad on the floor and Nurse Ratchet's face like monotone droning in about his mother and how disappointed and you and I that's the thing. It's like it was so effective that I knew as soon as they took him away, well, he's going to he's not going to survive the night. I thought they'd wake up and he'd he'd hung himself like it's going to be like this. Jack Nicholson gets his freedom just as but. Mm. Yeah, him drowning in a pool of red ink work too, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I've already made the point about him having tried to kill himself a few times. Right, uh, th- right. The thing that really got me about that scene is when Danny DeVito's character, uh, mm. his smile breaks 
mm-hmm. in that moment. That was like surprisingly affecting because the entire movie start to end except for this one moment he has this just ridiculous like maniacal he, idiot grin idiot you know? grin that's the perfect term yeah he he is just uh constantly smiling and in this moment he can't do it like yeah it breaks through that like surface this, this guy uh, who's and, and so it's in an emotion deep. Yeah, this guy who's just completely emotionally unresponsive to everything. This, yeah, again, it, it's and, and the bullshit, smile's still but... there. It just turns sour, right? It's not. Yeah, it, it's it's that's that was the best part of it. It's uh, yeah, but Dan, Dan DeVito does a great job in this movie. It's hard to like see it because it's one note, except for that one time where it breaks. Right. It's like he's he's playing that one note to wear it out, just so the contrast yep. between what he does there. It's so subtle too. Like you said, it's mm-hmm. not even. You're right because I was thinking like, yeah, his fi- smile fades. It doesn't. It just no. it just curdles. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I I I don't think I've ever seen Danny DeVito in a straight role before. Like even the stuff in like Rainmaker where it's not a comedy, he's playing Danny DeVito. He uh, did this one. He does one movie with. Uh with martin. martin fuck what's his last name from, from bad boys no god no i wouldn't have watched it if it was martin short uh fuck bad boys the the, the yeah he god was super damn popular it. in the 90s fuck uh-huh. 80s, lawrence, 90s. martin lawrence martin lawrence thank you uh yeah he did this one movie with him where he played a very rich businessman uh and he played it very seriously and Martin Short or Martin Short, God, Martin Lawrence was kind of the the comedic part of that movie. And they teamed up to, like, steal his fortune back from his domineering wife or something. I don't know. Martin was a thief. There's no way that's a completely straight role, though. He's it, still Danny DeVito, it's right? Still a little bit of comedy, but he's playing like a serious businessman mm. in in he's not making a lot of jokes. Um mm. and, I, and I was surprised to see that role. But you're right. I've never seen him do a completely dramatic thing. Yeah, where he just assumes like he's not Danny DeVito at all. Like he is doing right. a performance. Uh, yeah, he's performing in this for sure. That's all the more effective. Yeah, apparently mm-hmm. he was a he's he had a prestigious stage career even before he started doing st- stupid shit in front of a camera for Hollywood. Uh, you got anything else you want to talk about for Cuckoo? Uh, how about the fishing scene? Do you want to talk about the fishing scene a little bit? Because it's, it's it's ludicrous. It is. It's completely ludicrous. I I I found myself not able to enjoy it because I was worried for these people that someone was going to go overboard. I, I saw that at least he was handing out life jackets to everyone before they they departed. So I thought, okay, maybe something too bad can't happen here. But dude, they got those it's giant hooks. Dangerous. Yeah. The, there's there's fishing there's, gear to get taught you get drug overboard when they put that hard uncontrolled turn i thought they might it's like yeah no i uh-huh. was I, I and i thought they'd play it a joke as in this plowing into the beer pier i thought one of the ma- too, amazing yeah. things is like jack nicholson knew how to handle a boat that's uh-huh. a big boat and he took it out like a pro brought it back in as a pro even even more amazing yeah the speed the speed he was doing that with yeah um and i did find it very funny when you kind of see the wide shot uh, of what's going on and they're just turning donuts in the middle of the bay or whatever <laughs> while they're trying to reel in fish it was pretty hilarious but yeah. it just kind of out of place for this movie i i don't know i, I felt Again. like the party at the end would have been enough um 
uh, a sort of rebellious, uh, freewheeling act to to justify all this. But yeah, this fishing scene is maybe too much. Nah, there's um, yeah, the the, the whole thesis of like Jack Nick. All you need, they, they, all these guys need is for Jack Nicholson to run a summer camp for him, and right, they'll be right. right as rain at the end of that. Is, is I guess it does uh, show you an alternative. It's a free make. It's to, a free market approach to mental health, Jim. You just, sure. you just let uh, Jad Nicholson take him fishing. It's, it's uh, uh-huh. and then they're gain at job training too. You know, that's the kind of the common sense approach to mental health that I can get behind. I guess if I were being a little more generous to the movie, I would say it shows a, a, an opposite extreme of the way they're currently being treated. Right? right. They don't have Which... to be so heavily regulated in their schedules and their atmosphere. Yeah. They could have a more fulfilling and interesting life, even inside of a facility like this Oregon state thing. Um, yeah, but it's such an extreme. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it works. I'd have to see it again to, to really form a cohesive opinion. No, it's yeah. I think it's, it's super extreme. And as you know, that's as often said, the opposite of crazy is crazy. You know, yep. you're, you're trying to shoot for balance and uh, this, this approach to running there. And you know, you go, I guess returning to the, the, the topic of real world mental health. That's one of the many reasons we did do deinstitutionalization is that the institutions we had were shit and rife sure. with abuse and scandal. Uh, and the public got sick of hearing about it. So, Maybe Jack's uh, what, just, maybe Murphy's just trying to move the Overton window. He's like saying, he look is. what life could be, how insane and freewheeling it could be. Don't put up with the extreme on the other end from Nurse Ratchet. I don't know. Yeah, he and he's uh, the he's setting the the bounds of the discourse because <laughs> it was way too conservative under, under Nurse Ratchet. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful final shot and like I thought the you know the realization that the chief was the one he was the cuckoo that escaped uh, he's essentially the star of the show I think uh, he's the main protagonist uh, that was I've never seen that before where I, I guess like not since Saving Private Ryan has okay. such a radical frame of POV uh, reframing a POV been forced upon an audience at the end mm-hmm. where it's like holy shit I was watching this guy's movie this whole time and I thought I was doing Captain Miller Right, it's, Tom uh, Hanks isn't at the grave. What the? That's right. Yeah. yeah, I was. I was kind of stunned. I guess the thing is, like, even though it spoiled it for me, it mm-hmm. didn't spoil it for me because I had the complete wrong idea of where of, of this film. And uh, I was. And I was also surprised that uh, who Chief. Uh, yeah, if if you would have asked me who ch- the the guy who was who was smothering who, I would have thought Jack Nicholson had been smothering somebody else and escaping. Totally. So the yeah. way it actually went down, when it started going down, I knew exactly what was happening. But like, I was kind of shocked that that's that's where we got there. So <laughs> it's a pretty pretty good movie. Just just not anything yeah. about what it's ostensibly about. No, I, I liked it. I would definitely recommend it if you haven't seen it and. Uh... I do think it's one of the greatest films ever made. Just maybe not number 33 or whatever it was on AFI's list. Oh, 33. I I thought it might be in a top 10. I'm like, ooh, I don't know about that. But 33, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Man, I got I I realized when I was going through uh, and seeing like what films I have and haven't seen on like the AFI. It's like I did have a clear bias towards films made in like the late sixties and seventies because I think they just. I'm like with my son when I was that age. Like my son can like a bloodhound sniff out old films and like for something 
there's something about this era's clothing and film stock and editing that just screams this to and and I kind of am starting mm-hmm. to appreciate it. Yeah, I am but too. But it's an acquired taste. It's like an espresso or a really strong IPA. Sure. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for Prestige this week. Unfortunately, since we're right before Christmas break, I don't know what we're going to be covering next. I just know it's going to be a Prestige film that mm-hmm. will be voted on by our executive producers at Patreon. If you want to get in on that fun and help us shape the slate of things to come, uh, check it out at support.baldmove.com. Follow us along on Twitter, twitter.com slash baldmove. Uh, again, appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back real soon with another Prestige movie or TV show. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.